Welcome to our Agile Tales, where we share the various successes and trials we've encountered as we navigate corporate levels and political waters to transform the business to be adaptable to this forever changing world. Today, our friends in the UK will share their experience of resistance coming from middle management, team, and individual levels. Hi everyone, I'm Sitao and I'm the founder of Agile World and currently we're working with organizations on transformation repair. I come from a deep technical background and I've moved into the business space only because of Agile and its need to share the values of it across other parts of the organization. And so my first example, I was actually coaching for a large farmer company myself and the team was really enthusiastic and they really seemed to be embracing the new working styles. While coaching the team about defining the definition of done and the definition of ready, the project manager on the team was actually playing up. She'd arrive late to meetings with her laptop and start continuing to work in front of us, which was quite frustrating and also really distracting to her tapping away. I could sense she was not a fan of me. And so I had to be careful with my approach towards her. And so I introduced the idea of the team collectively on voting for meeting formats, i.e. encouraging attendees to be present and open to learning new strategies and coming away and not having your laptops on your desks. It seemed to me she wanted the upper hand. So over the team, and she was getting quite angry and frustrated as I started to communicate in empowering roles to the team, such as deciding what their iteration backlogs would look like. At one point, she was quite abrupt and she commanded that the team did not, in fact, own the backlog. And her tone was quite aggressive and intimidating. My heart actually sank. I've seen these behaviors before and they throw their toys out of the pram, causing so much disruption to the team to the point that nothing gets done. What happened as a result of that particular meeting, I got escalated and pulled from the team who were really sad to see me go as they could actually see the value that I was adding to them. They really wanted to work with me. The crazy thing was, is she was only covering for four weeks while another manager was on leave. Go figure. So the second example was an oil and gas company coaching a team totaling about 45 people distributed across India, Poland, and the UK. And wait for it, the product owner was based in Singapore. So imagine the seven o'clock meetings there. It was an interesting setup. And on the surface, they seemed to be making things work really well. However, it was a bit slow. Deep down, there was chaos and there was confusion. And thanks to middle managers not allowing team members to attend meetings, they firmly felt that the meeting should be at their desks, working away with no say on what the work is or how it should be done. This pretty much called the shots. I just can't express how you know, frustrating that was where the team could not attend any of the Agile ceremonies. I could feel the frustration from them. They never had any context around the work they were doing. Giles, what about you? Have you seen resistance from middle management? I've uh, experienced my fair share of it in, in my career. Hey, everyone. I'm Giles. I'm a technology leader, a CTO normally, and an enterprise Agile coach. I've recently started my own business during lockdown called Agile Delta Consulting. And I've been an Agilist for as long as I can remember. I'm part of the uh, PMI Disciplined Agile Advisory Council and soon to be uh, president of the Business Agility Institute UK chapter. I'm personally passionate about responsible leadership uh, and spent the last few years trying to give back, obviously, to the community just like this by sharing my own experiences, successes, and more importantly, the failures. My personal goal is to help change the norms of organizational management so that bureaucracy and micromanagement become things of the past at all management levels. So 
I'm going to jump straight in with my first example. In joining a very large multinational enterprise, I was also responsible for helping the team to globally evolve their ways of working, as well as leading that sort of technology evolution that has to come from it that was actually underway in the organization. Very early on, as my role as a director, I encountered my first level of resistance from the middle management program team in the UK office. Now, this gang actually worshipped at that altar of conformance, which was actually set in place by the programme director. And this conflict and resistance then actually started a huge amount of friction for all of the agile coaches within the organisation, even outside of the UK. Large amounts of anti-agile propaganda and smear campaigns then began literally everywhere in all four corners of the organisation. For me, singly, I think that was the worst form of middle management resistance I've ever encountered to date. And similarly, at a much smaller organisation, for my second example, on joining as, again, as a technology and agile leader and advocating sharing possible new approaches, new ways of working to the teams and the people within it to help them move from JFDI, just effing do it, to that agile mindset, the fixed mindset, to the growth mindset. It was, of course, natural to openly highlight the flaws of the current ways of working, the current ways people were doing things, right? If everything had been perfect, you know, why did they hire me or any of the agile coaches to come in and actually help change things? Now, again, this created a huge amount of friction because the existing middle management teams who followed probably the ideology of controlism from the CEO didn't think anything was broken. And you know what? Everything was just fine the way it was. And lastly, at a sort of mid-sized company, Again, being responsible for the technology function, very early on, I was able to sort of stop the attention diversion that was going on across large parts of the organization from other departments coming into my team, which meant that they actually started delivering with less friction and better quality, meaning they could actually end up working on the right thing at the right cost at the right speed with the right people. Now, that was until someone joined the finance team who, as a middle manager, started demanding her own development capability to sit on her floor with her team so that she could genuinely order them around on a daily basis on what to work on and what to do. As she had no time for collaborative ways of working or even the agile mindset as a whole and put up these mass walls of resistance immediately, even if actually that resistance was then soon to be quashed. You know, this created such big silos in the organization, replicating work, doubling up on the workload, etc., etc. Shital and Giles, what kind of reactions have you encountered across the pond? Yeah, JF, I'm familiar with this. It really shocks me the level of uncontrollable command and control that still exists even within some of the organizations I've been working with. So in the first example, this middle manager, as I said earlier, she escalated me to her managers. And actually, I was pulled from the team as their coach. Not only that, but a smear campaign started, which I found very, very uncomfortable and quite frankly, quite stressful as well. I feel like sometimes as coaches, we really need to be a little thick skinned and just have no emotions attached to our teams. Whereas, you know, I always tend to go in, you know, completely open minded, I think. The team lost their voice despite trying to defend and support our coaching attempts. And they lost me. I lost them. And we were all very, very disappointed about that. Not only that, but her behavior created an atmosphere that you could cut with a knife each time we would be in the same room together. 
me being me, I did my best to keep things light and positive, but she would bite back on things that I would say. It was really, like I said, uncomfortable. I felt sad for the team. They went back to old ways of working. They did not succeed in their growth. And when someone demonstrates such behaviors, it takes a great amount of patience and resilience and empathy from the coach to really guide that rather than fight that. I'm not a fighter unless I'm in the dojo. I've seen many situations where coaches have conflicted with managers, but this really does come from a fear of losing control, or dare I say it, fear of losing their jobs. Example two was a bit more complex in that we couldn't reach the team as the manager was unable to see the value in pulling the teams together into a meeting, or should I say, into agile ceremonies. So it kind of went down that route where we would always just rely on the key managers trickling the information and communicating things back to the individuals. So again, that was a really hard, hard example uh, and outcome as a reaction. I've seen so many similar things, though I'm not going to get in the dojo with you. So uh, that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go back to my first example, I think. You know, it was quite evident when I'm sat in a, or stood or whatever, in an office, open plan office, having a slangy match with the, the program director because she wanted everything her way. You know, whereas ultimately, obviously, the agile community and those, especially in the engineering capability, we're trying to evolve their own ways of working, our own ways of working, shall we say, to discover actually what the correct outcomes were for the business, rather than having to do everything as some sort of tick in a box exercise. Now, I, I absolutely kid you not, where the coaches and some of the other management team suffered daily at the hands of the program managers by sort of trying to make some of these other non-managers, but the coaches as well, to make them managers themselves in somehow needing those constant updates, budgets, deliverables that are not the responsibility of those agile coaches and agile leaders, but actually of the, the delivery managers or the project managers or the program managers themselves. When the rest of the organization sees two directors always at each other's throats, you know the war has started. And let's go back to example two. For me there, the resistance didn't come, well, it did not act well, didn't impact the engineering capability really, because they were all positively trying to create new ways of working remember moving away from this jfdi world to to actually support themselves moving away from 151 person teams to 150 person team all right so the positive outcome the resistance to agile here or at least the mindset or the approach or the way of working came from the middle management, believing somehow that they were going to lose their jobs. The standard fear that comes from this, from those doing an agile adoption or some digital transformation. And that they would all be at risk if they moved to this agile way because of the devolved authority and because they thought they would lose the little authority that they had in the first place. All the while, the CEO, who obviously you know brought myself and some of these other people in, just didn't react to this. Oh my God, you know what, we've had exactly the same fear and behaviours in where, at some places where I've worked and it, it can be so frustrating, I really feel for you. Managers shouting and arguing to protect their positions, uh, but actually this, these kind of behaviours actually work against them, especially when you actually have a reactive CEO. Because what that then does, it you do then it does then lead those middle management who are not playing ball and not embracing agile ways of working actually causes them to lose their jobs, I think. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. And I'm glad that a lot of us are seeing it, especially here in the UK, the same. And my third example, I think it comes in two parts again. Firstly, the team was operating like the Marie Celeste, 
where they were operating as individual silos yet again, where they started obviously to become one complete engineering capability coming together, slightly similar to the last example. And this actually started a cultural change in that technology division. We actually ended up from a team who had previously been so disparate, high attrition, et cetera, et cetera, we went on to have zero attrition for 21 months in a large engineering capability, which was fantastic. Now, going back to these, obviously, financial middle managers who, you know, joining and demanding these people to somehow come back, be, be their resources, not, not people. This upset a lot of the engineers who obviously had started the liberation had started seeing some of the new ways of working to support them had some of seen some of that cultural change and ultimately they started again becoming disillusioned and you know it really could have started again another huge amount of attrition if we didn't manage this one closely that's so sad to see when it happens i mean especially when people leave you know you've got really highly skilled individuals and when they leave it's so sad yeah i agree so that's the experience of resistance coming from middle management, team and individual levels in the UK. Next time, the four of us will explore the reasons for such resistance. Thank you so much for listening to our Agile Tales. Feel free to ping us on our agiletales.com.